Thank you for downloading this episode of the 155 Podcast, the public records interview series of all candidates in Hamilton's 2018 municipal election. For more election coverage, visit thepublicrecord.ca where you can sign up for our City Hall newsletter. Episode 78, Cameron Crutch, running for City Councilor in Ward 2, recorded on September 7th, 2018. Cameron Crutch, you're running for City Councilor in Ward 2. Welcome to the Public Records, the 155 podcast. Thanks, Joey, and thanks for having me. Firstly, tell us, who is Cameron Crutch? Well, first and foremost, I'm a community builder. I'm someone who gets involved, works with others, and gets things done. I'm also a partner in a small employment organization, and I work in the Beasley neighborhood. My previous job was as president of a large labor organization. So at my heart, I'm someone who cares about advocating for others. I also think I'm a good listener and a thoughtful citizen. My educational background is in the humanities, so I tend to approach things from the perspective of understanding, compromise, and collaboration. Why are you running? I'm running for Ward 2 City Councilor because I love Hamilton and care about what happens here. I live in Corktown with my partner Derek, and we really like being part of the downtown community. I want to be able to give back. I'm also running because I think the people of this ward want me to be their elected representative and because they want to see a change in our city government. I spent the past four months knocking on doors and speaking to residents face-to-face And they've told me that they want a more accountable, accessible, affordable, safe, and sustainable city. And I want to be part of making those improvements in Ward 2 and across the city. Do you live in Ward 2? Yes or no? Yes. Does it matter if one lives in the community one seeks to represent? I think so, and I think residents think so too. As I've been knocking on doors, it's one of the most frequent questions I get asked. I think it's important for local politicians, like city councillors, to be accountable to their neighbours. While I think City Council must make decisions on behalf of all Hamiltonians, there will always be local ward issues and ideas that are part of the job. In my opinion, living in this community and seeing and being part of the experiences of its residents firsthand puts a City Councilor in the best position to act as an advocate. How have you contributed to the Ward 2 community and our city as a whole? I think I've contributed in big and small ways. This past winter, for instance, I was one of the key organizers of the People's Plan for Downtown which fought and won tenant and other rights to be included in Hamilton's downtown secondary plan. I've also been really active in Ward 2's neighborhoods, not only as a member of the Corktown Neighborhood Association's Executive and Planning Committee, but also in Beasley, where I lived before I moved to Corktown. I've stood up for democracy on behalf of Hamiltonians through my delegations to City Hall on its policies and bylaws, and I've also been an active community volunteer through my time as an executive committee member on boards in Hamilton, like the Hamilton Literacy Council and the AIDS Network. What are your two priorities for Ward 2 and two priorities for Hamilton as a whole? For Ward 2, those come from me knocking on doors and talking to folks and them telling me that resident engagement and affordable housing matter to them. People tell me about resident engagement that far too many decisions are left in the hands of a counselor without enough resident input. These decisions have significant impacts on residents. We need to ensure consultation happens early, often, and until a project has been completed or an issue has been resolved. In terms of affordable housing, We have a ton of opportunity downtown. The construction of light rail transit, an excess of surface parking lots, and the availability of city-owned land all present incredible development opportunities to benefit the residents of Ward 2. We should be using these opportunities to invest in projects that exemplify what affordable and social housing looks like. We're far from the targets we set for ourselves and need to step up to get this done. In terms of the city, there are two priorities that I think are important. The first is collaborative decision-making. I think it's important for councillors to work together in the best interests of all Hamiltonians. Councillors spend far too much time trading priorities to ensure that their individual ward benefits, 
This often happens at the cost of residents, and it's not equitable. Second, ensuring that plans and strategies are developed, implemented, and updated. The 10-year local transit strategy, for instance, has been deferred. We need to get it back on track. We also need to ensure things like the truck route master plan are updated and on schedule, and that we introduce a comprehensive Hamilton Green standard. What are three skills you will bring to elected office that make you the best choice to represent Hamiltonians on city council? First, leadership. I believe that being a city councillor is more than just voting in favor of a motion. It's about demonstrating a vision for the city and working with everyone in the community, residents, business owners, and developers to get the best possible outcomes. I've naturally gravitated to leadership roles in my community and in my professional life and think we need more of this in Hamilton. Second, collaboration. We have to work together and we have to put our own personal ambitions aside at times. We each only get one vote as a councillor, and I think it's important that we try to find ways to reach compromises around the issues that are important to everyone in the city. And lastly, dedication. I've demonstrated that I'm committed to my community. I show up and I follow through. I attend meetings, I get my hands dirty, and I participate in conversations. More importantly, I listen to what people in the community have to say, and I take what they say seriously. Managing development is one of the most important and high-profile roles of the Ward 2 City Councilor. It is a challenging responsibility to ensure zoning changes facilitate development which benefits the community, while at the same time preventing land speculation which leaves properties vacant, underutilized, and ultimately harms the fabric of the community. What will be your process for evaluating development applications, and how will you manage competing planning interests in Ward 2? That's a really long question, so you're going to get a bit of a long answer. First, I want to say I'm not a professional planner. While I have an understanding of these things as a city councillor, it wouldn't be my place to manage the entire planning process. At present, I think that the city councillor has far too much say with respect to development matters. They act as a gatekeeper who can make or break a development, and that makes me really uncomfortable. My approach is to focus on the results of the development, who it will impact, and how it will impact them. The first step in considering that result is conversations with residents, staff, developers, and groups like the Hamilton Community Benefits Network. As city councillor, I'll have access to information months and sometimes years before everyone else. The first thing I do is share that information with residents and community members, like neighborhood associations, so that they can start to be part of the conversation as early as possible. I do that in a transparent and accessible way online so that there were fewer barriers. I'd also involve the developer and anyone else from the process who wanted to participate to enter in a genuine dialogue about how a development would benefit the community. There need to be balanced conversations and they need to happen across a table with mutual respect, not coming from one side or the other in the form of a presentation. We need to build and we need to build up. I won't dispute that, but we can do a lot more as a city to both manage how this building happens and what the community benefits are as a result of new development. At present, it's my opinion that we're focusing too much on the needs of developers and not enough on the needs of the community. That being said, we need to streamline the planning process so that people with good projects aren't continuing to be held up. The amount of paper and paperwork required to go through the planning process in Hamilton is exhausting and discouraging, even if just for someone who wants to make improvements to their home. The questions I want to ask are, who is the current process serving and why? But back to your point about speculation, I think there need to be stronger disincentives for leaving buildings vacant or land undeveloped, and this means not only penalties for property speculation, but also dealing with what some community members have called a broken system of taxation and development charges that make it cheaper to keep land vacant than to develop it. This is a huge problem in Ward 2. Property speculation hurts neighborhoods and drives the vacancy rate up. Our neighborhoods should not be littered with surface parking, empty land, and boarded up or unused buildings. We cannot continue to rely on the promise that something will happen and need to insist on a policy in writing that holds people accountable. Hamilton has a rental housing affordability problem. 
Ward 2 has seen a significant and marked decrease in affordability during the past decade. How will you address housing affordability in Ward 2 and across Hamilton? The city simply can't do this alone, but we have help out there if we want it. Part of the problem, in my opinion, is a technical one, and the other part is one of priorities. Technically speaking, the city pushes the responsibility for affordable housing out to a department that doesn't have the budget to deal with it. At around $200,000 per unit to build affordable housing, we just haven't dedicated enough in our budget to address this problem meaningfully. $50 million sounds like a lot of money, but it amounts to only 250 affordable housing units, and we have a demand for more than 6,000. This means, to me anyway, that we have to create more partnerships with groups like the YWCA, Indwell, and others to leverage the resources we do have to start affordable housing projects. The city continues to say that there aren't enough developers coming forward who want to do affordable housing projects, and we keep taking a wait-and-see approach to this problem. We need to act boldly, and we need to lead as a city when it comes to creating solutions to affordable housing. Yes, the provincial and federal governments do have a huge role to play here in terms of providing promised funding as part of housing strategies, but we can do a lot here to get things started while we wait. At least one good example is what's happening in the Jamesville survey. Right now, the empty units are being emptied, lots of units are vacant, and from what I can tell by talking to residents in the survey, units are in fairly good condition, and they're places people could live in. Right now, we have a huge homelessness problem in the area, and these things seem to be at odds. So we have to kind of figure out what we can do to ensure that we're balancing these priorities. We also have to think about how we define affordability. It's a big spectrum, but if the city's affordability definition is stuck around saying that it's 125% of market rates as part of the understanding, we're a long way off from really addressing all things in the affordability spectrum. What are two changes you will propose to improve city services? The first thing is transit. People keep telling me that they're concerned about transit. It's not serving the areas where it exists, and it isn't serving all the urban areas in Hamilton. So I'll propose that we end area rating for transit and that we make our 10-year transit strategy a priority. In fact, that we revisit that strategy with a mind to fill in the gaps we've overlooked. This involves super express bus service between key community hubs, updated routes, an independent transit board, and dedicated engagement with citizen groups like the Hamilton Transit Riders Union. Beyond this, uh, my second point, I think the best way to improve city services is to make some big changes to the way the city delivers those services. We need to be transparent, accessible, and open in the way we deliver all of our services. We need a cultural change. Part of that will come from hiring a new city manager, but I want to elaborate on the three things I brought up. Transparency first. We have to be willing to share more of the information we have, simply put. The public deserves to have the same information that decision makers have, when they have it, so that they can come to their own conclusions. It has to be accessible. It needs to be online, and it needs to be in a variety of accessible formats. We need things like a Facebook page, to use our YouTube channel more extensively, and to rethink our commitment to having a web presence. And we need to be open. The city has to move away from a defensive and risk-negative approach to an inclusive and openly understanding approach. We have to realize as a city that we make mistakes. When we make them, we have to own up to them, fix what we can, and put mechanisms in place to prevent them from happening again. What are two changes you will propose to improve quality of life in Hamilton? The first is to make our streets safer for all residents and for all road users. There are too many accidents happening in the city, many of which are completely avoidable. So one of the first things I'll do is to implement a plan for Vision Zero and to focus on complete streets. The second thing I'll do, and it's related to the first one, is focus on making Hamilton a healthier, more accessible, and more sustainable place to live. This means not only adopting a Hamilton Green Standard for development, but making sure that our parks have clean, free public access to water through water fountains, that we aggressively plant and replant new and mature trees, and that we do everything we can to help reduce the impact of climate change on the city.
This includes everything from the urban heat effect in our downtown core, from excess concrete to splash pads and pools being open earlier. The accessibility part also means really pushing the city to come up with a solution for snow removal downtown. If we can work something out in Ancaster, we can work something out downtown. We need to make sure this city is accessible and safe all year round for all road users. Hamilton City Council decided against ranked balloting. Ranked balloting enables voters to choose by prioritizing candidates, such as the top three, they feel qualified for public office and best able to represent them. What is your position on ranked ballots? I'll be clear, I fully support ranked balloting. Ranked balloting would, I think, make voters feel much more engaged about their choices. They might not get their first choice, but their second or third choice might get elected. And I think that would go a long way to showing people that they do have power in local politics and, eventually, could increase voter turnout. We're sitting at 29% voter turnout in Ward 2 in the 2014 election. And that's not going to help anyone. I think it's important, and I think it's timely. Other municipalities are doing this, and it would be great for Hamilton to demonstrate some forward thinking here. How will you improve civic governance and engagement during the next four years? First, I'll start early when it comes to improving civic governance. I think that we need to examine the rules that govern City Council, and we need to start that work well ahead of the end of term, as is usually the case. There are some really easy things we can do right away. Ensure that all votes are recorded. Insist on a proper notice of motion process that cannot be overridden. Institute standard lunches and breaks. And set meeting end times. I've been writing about this for a while, and I think it's something we need to get on with. Apart from this, we can mandate that the information shared with councillors by staff, the information we need to make decisions, conforms to a standard template. We need to get the same kind of information in the same length and format from every department in the city. We also need to ensure that information from staff comes in well in advance of meetings so that we, as councillors, have time to go to our residents with this information to get their opinions. A few days or even a week is not enough time. In terms of improving engagement, I'm going to do something that I think is really simple. I'm going to ask people directly how they want to be engaged with. We'll store that information so that we can connect with them on a regular basis throughout the next four years. Some will say that they want an email, others will say they want a text message, and still others a phone call or a knock at the door. When we've gathered this information, and as we gather it, we'll use it to keep people informed in the ways that work best for them. People keep telling me that mail just doesn't work for them as the only means of communication. So I'm going to hire staff who are comfortable interacting with the public and collecting this information from residents. It won't happen overnight, but I think it's the only way to keep residents up to date. I'm also going to launch a Ward 2 website so that residents can log on to get information anytime they want it. The community has been asking for this for far too long. Finally, I'm going to advocate for notices, in whatever their format, to be written according to clear writing principles. Too much of what the city puts out is confusing to residents or written in inaccessible language. We need to do better and follow the example of other municipalities that are leading the way on this. How will the City of Hamilton's strategic plan guide your decision-making in hiring a new city manager, and what qualities do you seek in a new city manager? First, I think that the city's vision to be the best place to raise a child and age successfully guides what I keep hearing from people at the doors. It resonates with people. That being said, I think that we need to focus not only on supporting children and seniors, but also on the group of people in between, those who raise children and take care of the older adults in their lives. We need to focus on the entire community. I think the same could be said about the kind of city manager we need. We need someone who sees the big picture and how what we do at City Hall impacts all Hamiltonians. The other part of the strategic plan, the city's mission, comes at this from the perspective of providing high-quality, cost-conscious public services. And I think that the new city manager will have to balance between the social and economic forces that guide the plan if they're going to be successful. Ultimately, I want to work with someone who is coming into the city with fresh ideas and genuine enthusiasm. 
So while I think that a knowledge of how City Hall works or knowing the ins and outs of the city's past decisions are useful, I think it's even more important that we don't limit ourselves, that we look outside the typical pool of applicants and search for a candidate that's not afraid to stand up to city council. I've heard some pretty troubling things while watching city council meetings. Councillors have far too much latitude when it comes to the kinds of questions and statements that we're directing at staff. I want a city manager in place who knows their role and is happy to take questions. The city manager must be the gatekeeper for our staff and must ensure that there's a separation between the organizational and bureaucratic roles of staff and the political role of city council. I also want to hire someone who knows how to apply a diversity lens to major city decisions. Right now, we don't have a very representative senior leadership team at the city. The staff in our city's leadership need to better reflect the population of our city. When we're making new hiring decisions, I want a manager who understands the fundamental principles of human resources and of equity-based hiring. I want open competitions, fair interviews, and deep candidate pools. In my opinion, this is an incredibly important opportunity that we can't screw up. Politics is the art of allocating limited resources and compromising to find solutions. How will you do so? I think compromise can only come through being open-minded and by listening carefully. I think this is something I'm good at doing. There will always be competing interests, and it's unlikely that any one group will get 100% of what they want. I get that. But that doesn't mean we can't, as counselors, facilitate conversations and come up with compromises. I think that's careful and skilled work that not everyone is good at. As a trained facilitator, I think it's something I'm good at and something I intend to bring to the job on day one. It's 2022. The public record is writing a review of the four-year council term that is just ending. What three words do you hope we will use to describe your term on council? And what three words do you hope will describe council as a whole? Well, I hope that you'll describe my service to the city as thoughtful, caring, and collaborative. As a city councillor, I have an opportunity to speak up for those who don't have a voice, to ensure that I do my homework, and to respectfully listen to residents' lived experiences. Above all, I want to be seen as someone who understands how to work with everyone, someone who can work not only with business owners and developers, but also with those who don't normally have a voice in local politics, like tenants, homeless folks, and those in extreme poverty, the people most affected by the decisions we make. In terms of council, it'd be great if it was perceived as responsive, that they were able to get things done quickly. Efficient, that they were able to make decisions in ways that don't waste resources or push decisions too far down the road. And inclusive, we need more input from marginalized voices, period. Thank you. That's the end of the prepared questions that you were sent in advance. Do you have any closing remarks that you wish to share? Yeah, I do. I want to thank you, first of all, for doing this. It's a tremendous amount of work. You're having the opportunity to meet candidates from all across the city and get informed about what's happening this municipal election. It's pretty unprecedented as far as I'm concerned. So thanks for that. I've spent the last three, four months out in the community talking to residents. And the number one thing I hear when I speak to residents is that they want to see a change. My conversations with them at the door have really informed my understanding of what the issues in this ward are and the issues in this city and what people want to see for city council. So I guess I'm asking people who are listening up there to go out on October 22nd and consider voting for me, because I think together we can have a better ward too. Thank you. I wish to thank the Hamilton Public Library Central Branch for the use of their sound studio where we recorded this podcast today. This has been episode 78 of the Public Records, the 155 podcast. The Public Record is Hamilton's local, independent, reader-funded news outlet. This podcast is made possible by members of the Public Records Press Club. Visit thepublicrecord.ca to learn more and listen to all episodes of the 155 podcast. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed. The Public Record is a member of the National News Media Council, a voluntary self-regulatory organization that deals with journalistic practices and ethical behavior. 
To learn more about the Media Council, visit the Media Council at mediacouncil.ca. Thank you for listening. See you at the polls on October 22nd.